everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. Raise your hand if you're ready to get real extra. I'm raising my hand, you can't see it though, because this is a podcast. Raise your hand if you're also ready to get real, real small. <laughs> Again, I'm raising my hand, but you can't see it because yeah. it's a podcast. I'm assuming everyone <laughs> listening is raising their hands. We were talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. In Quantumania. Yes. Which, good lord, the names of these movies, Marvel. They're getting rough, man. They're getting wonky. We're getting into real, like, you know, animes that come back with seasons that are like, this is Sailor Moon R Extreme Super Edition. You know what I mean? <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm all that said, I'm excited for Avengers Shippuden. Anyway, um, <laughs> Ant-Man, Quantumania, uh, features Ant-Man, uh, who is Scott Lang, his daughter Cassie Lang, uh, his love interest. Did they get married? I was thinking about that the other day. Are they, like, married, or are they just, like, a, I don't think a so. I, think I don't remember the second Ant-Man movie. At all. And it probably is something marriage. that I should have watched at some point in time. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so love interest Hope Van Dyne and her parents, Janet Van Dyne and Hank Pym, um, as they all get sucked into the quantum realm, which isn't a surprise. We saw it in the trailers. Cassie invents some sort of satellite to communicate and uh, study the quantum realm. And for whatever reason, they get sucked into it, which you actually find out why later, but. There we are. While in the quantum realm, Janet Van Dyne goes into like, I'm a previous survivor of this. Everybody pay attention to me. This is what we need to be worried about mode. And we find out about Kang, Ooh. who we've known about for a while, played by Jonathan Majors, who is going to be the next all-encompassing big bad of the Marvel next couple phases. Phase six is when we're done with Kang. So we're in phase four. Right? There's so many phases. So, um, <laughs> anyway, and then we... So it's a journey of Ant-Man and the Ant family uh, as they try to find their way out of the quantum realm while also stopping whatever nefarious plans Kang has. T, initial thoughts? I really enjoyed this one. It was nice to go in and watch a Marvel movie and not leave feeling horribly disappointed. <laughs> Yeah. It'd been a minute. It's, yeah, it's funny because this one is, like, the second officially rotten critical rating Rotten Tomatoes Marvel movie, right? Like, I think yeah. the first one was Eternals, Eternals. And this one's second. And I went through, before we watched the movie, I went through and watched, like, read a bunch of the reviews. And it seems like they all just wanted it to be, like, a slapstick funny comedy. And it was a bit more of a serious movie. It was still very funny. It was still very funny. Um, it still had a lot of comedy and a lot of silliness to it. Uh, that was done way better than the comedy and silliness in uh, the most recent Thor. Yeah. Thor, love and disappointment. Um <laughs> Headcanon. It was Official very well, new name. It was very well done. It was very. It was a funny movie still, but it was a lot more serious. It was a lot more intense. We see Ant-Man getting angry and being a lot more intense. And it was actually kind of cool seeing Paul Rudd do that. Be a more intense, more concerned. Get more to have more depth. Worried character. Yeah, I think he handled it well. 
But it's funny to me that it's like this is the second rotten one. And this is like the first Marvel movie that I've kind of like front to back enjoyed for a oh, while. while. <laughs> you know, like I really I, there was a lot about Multiverse of Madness I liked. But then there was a lot that just left me angry. And then there was a lot about Thor that just left me angry. Most of it. Um, <laughs> and so it's it's just it was funny to me. No, I know, agree. I hundred percent. How we both enjoyed it, and it's like, but it's technically don't trust the critics. Is what I'm saying. No, they seem not to, when it comes to Marvel movies. They seem to, least. especially with these later entries, they seem to have latched on to, like, a, there's this this universal hive mind in the like critic space, where they all look at what the original gave so like thor or they're all basing it off of thor ragnarok they're like thor ragnarok was funny so the next thor needs to have comedy in it so then it does in heavy air quotes yeah right and so they're all like perfect done pack it up we're good ship it off 100 percent fresh and it's like mm. and then in this one it was the opposite it was like ant-man needs to have comedy and michael pena's character doing a monologue thing like a montage thing and it didn't have Michael Pena in it, and it had comedy, but it was also a little bit more serious. And they were like, "Not funny enough." <laughs> just critics, what are you doing? It's like just calm down, like comic there's... journalists and entertainment journalists. What are you doing? Not Chill out. watching the movie for the movie's sake. Anyway. That's for dang sure. Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed it. I think um, the addition of Cassie was really good i i yeah. I really enjoyed her introduction mm-hmm. i think she makes a lot of sense um in relation to ant-man i yeah. think her depiction was quality um i think um and you and i talked I about it you and i talked about this a bit about cassie and i think it's a good point to kind of discuss here is um i really liked cassie too we both loved cassie yeah and she makes a lot of sense being Scott Lang's kid and working yep. in the Ant-Man space. Absolutely. The big issue is that they're introducing these like young Avengers. Like it seems like they're setting up and building for this young Avengers thing. And so far, everyone that we've met has the exact same personality. <laughs> yeah, and while Cassie, it makes a lot of sense because of who her dad is and the tone of her kind of environment. It makes you wonder if the others maybe should have been tweaked before Cassie's introduction as, like, a super person. Right. To make her feel less... The, the whole thing just feels kind of samey. I feel like we're going to get the Avenger, the Young Avengers movie, and it's going to be, like, five of the exact same female character. Unfortunately, <laughs> too, that's partially because of the characters they introduced, right? True, Because yeah. a lot of the characters that they decided to introduce as Young Avengers all are relatively accurate depictions of their characters in the comics, but... They're all kind of the same type of personality anyway, right? Like, yeah, and we haven't seen enough, in my opinion, of America Chavez, who would true. be yeah. a big she break in that. She would, she would help distinguish that. But when you're looking at like Hawkeye and Miss mm-hmm. America, I think it and, will and, be you know Miss Marvel yeah. and stuff. Like those are their personalities, but also the characters they picked to bring in. And like we, are we all had, very aligned. We had Patriot. We had a Eli. But he didn't get much time. So we don't know mm-hmm. if when if and when Eli gets involved, is he going to be that same actor? Is it gonna be like what is his personality gonna be? Right. And stuff like that. And it's, you know, I think it'll really boil down to them getting like a really good director on the Avengers movie yeah. to kind of push for these subtle differences. Yes. Um, I think that will really make it shine. It just I was kind of sitting in the theater and I was like, 
Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, true. Because like Ironheart, <laughs> you know, coming from a very different introduction than these other characters had, being that she was completely outside, she wasn't right. basing her stuff off of anybody. She was doing her own thing, I guess, except for you know repurposing Stark tech stuff. But um, even she kind of kind of the same fits into that mold personality and like you know Kate Bishop's very similar and you know it's it'll be interesting to see it's very interesting interesting to see who else they brings in to kind of who bring they brings in (laughs) who else they brings us um who else they bring in to kind of like balance it like maybe we'll get Scar we got introduced to Scar that might have been a throwaway but maybe he'll actually take the whole clicking place or something right it would be it'll be nice because you know in the comics, all these characters are kind of the same way, but they always have a foil or they always have a, compa- a companion that helps to, mm-hmm. like, diversify the tone so that, you know, the Miss Marvel book doesn't read the same as the Hawkeye book, reads the same as, you know, a Squirrel Girl book. Like, they all have a little bit differentiation because of the people that are around them. Right now, we just don't necessarily have the people around them to yeah. differentiate them. So hopefully they'll introduce some more characters to kind of help bring in that... Mm-hmm that differentiation true but yeah cassie did a great job um i really like the dynamic of the family like i I think they got a really fun thing going on um my only real character criticism would just be that and again i don't really remember much about ant man and the wasp right um the second one uh wasp is just Hope is very one-dimensional. And there's a part of me that's kind of okay with that. If you want to know why, go, go read, listen, listen to, listen our, to our episode about issues. problematic people. But um, I don't know. She's just very one-dimensional. And they did some story beats on this that would have been more impactful if she weren't one-dimensional. Yeah. But she's just very like, I'm here. I'm doing my thing. And they had a lot of cool opportunities of, like, scenes of her, like, being the last one to go to safety because she's busy blasting bad guys and stuff. And they could have really built this kind of, like, reckless, like, you need to stop being so reckless or something. Or any sort of, like, motivation for her. But they didn't do a lot. It's true. It it was interesting because I actually read online somewhere where someone was talking about Evangeline Lilly's Hope Van Dyne. And it... It's interesting because they described her as making the character kind of joyless. Yeah. Like, there's just, there's no personality to mm-hmm. her actions. It's mm-hmm. vi- and, and that's partially the writing, but then also partially the acting, right? Yeah. There's just no dynamicism. Like, she makes the same face from start to finish, no matter what she's saying or who she's talking to. Like, she kind of always has this, like, ready-to-go look. Whether she's critiquing her mom or mm-hmm. in battle or mm-hmm. in an intimate scene with Scott, like the, it all just looks exactly the same from start to finish. It almost feels a little phoned in to me. Yeah. And which is a bummer because in the beginning of the movie, they kind of do a little montage of what Hope's been up to. And the depiction is spot on for how she feels, how, how Janet feels in the comics and we know that hope Mm -hmm. is the kind of stand-in for janet now Mm -hmm. Uh, but they did a great job of making her feel very much aligned with her comic character and like the way she's presented and the way she looks and all of that and it was cool but then she just is like a single solitary flat note 
for the entirety of the movie. And you're like, isn't this called Ant-Man and the Wasp? Because right now it's just sort of Ant-Man and Cassie. Yeah, it's <laughs> Ant-Man and Stinger. Yeah. You know? They really should have changed the name at this point. Yeah. Because Wasp is not giving anything. Yeah, she wasn't, she didn't really provide much. And, you know, it's a cool character. And it could have been, there were, like I said, there were a lot of themes. And I think that's probably my biggest criticism overall. Um, if I had to hammer down like one thing that I didn't like, and it's not a hard thing to hammer down. It's pretty glaring. It's just that there are a handful of themes that I don't feel like were handled well. Like a a lot Mm -hmm. of it focuses around like Scott not wanting to lose Cassie again. You know, this is, this movie is Scott's recovery movie from being stuck in the quantum realm for five years during the blip. Right. You know what I mean? This is him trying to atone for that and get to know his daughter. And while there's a lot of like, you know, I got to protect Cassie and, you know, a certain thing happens later on that, you know, informs his decisions that he makes uh, based on trying to keep Cassie alive and stuff. They don't revisit that enough and they don't make that kind of a central core theme or even resolve it to the extent where like Cassie proves herself and Scott's willing to let go. Right. You know, Scott's willing to let her go and trust her. And et cetera, et cetera. There's not a lot of, like, development in that theme. Yeah, the theme just no... kind of exists, and yeah. then it, it is. There it is no resolution. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't resolve, it doesn't evolve, it doesn't change or tweak in any way or become, like, a main point. And then there's actually, like, a big point, like, one of the crux moments of the movie is actually about Hope not wanting to let go of Scott. And, and like Scott and Hope's connection, yeah, is like a big random like randomly at a certain point in the movie and a big point, Hope comes to Scott's rescue and it's kind of this like universal like look the two of us together, this is our connection is the strongest connection we have and it's like but the entire first two acts of the movie were all about you being a dad and wanting to be a dad and you were like issuing other responsibilities in order to try to protect Cassie. Now all of a sudden we're on this like you and hope connection train. And, and there was, was even an opportunity in that moment. I won't get too deep, but like there was an mo- instant in that moment where they could have made it about him being a dad and letting Cassie having faith in Cassie to, you know, address the situation and, mm-hmm. and make things better. Yeah. Cause Cassie had the opportunity to do so and she does, but they don't talk about it. Like, it doesn't connect it back. It's yeah. so like, it's still like, I don't, I'm worried about Cassie, you know? Mm. <laughs> it just doesn't really tie in together. It's yeah. very strange. Yeah. It was a very strange moment. So, I agree. I mean, those are criticisms to have, but the movie itself was a fun movie. I had a good time with it. I yep. mean, let's talk about the world that it's set in this quantum realm that it's they go so into. cool. It's incredibly well designed. It's populated with very interesting character designs and yeah. very interesting alien designs. The way they built the technology out of things that were kind of somewhat organic was really visually stunning and really visually interesting. Um, honestly, you said this, and I agree uh, that Star Wars could really take notes <laughs> oh from something God. like that. And it's it's something I've felt for a while since like Guardians. Is that like the the cosmic universe that the Guardians exist in and now this quantum realm that we've seen Ant-Man go in should be what the Star Wars universe feels like. Yeah. Especially a post-Empire Star Wars universe where yes. things are opening up a little bit more and trade lines are 100%. expanding and stuff. Um, 
it always weirded me out and still does in the media coming out right now that the Star Wars universe is so painfully human. Ugh. You know? <laughs> and it makes me so sad. You even, you go back to A New Hope and you look at the uh, the cantina sequence and yeah. how many practical effect aliens were in there. Yep. And then you look at, you know, the, the bar in Force Awakens and how there was like a Twi'lek and some normal looking humans paid in pink and then... And that, one like, CGI character, and that's like it. Well, and then in like the next one, um, the Return of the Jedi, I think is that one. Is that the name of that one? I don't even remember the name of the middle one. Um, but they go to that like the name fancy... of the middle first of the first trilogy. The last trilogy. The last trilogy. Uh, the last Jedi. That one. Yeah. Um, where they go to that like fancy resort. Yeah. The, the like the casino. The casino, and there were. It's Everyone's like all humans. Sequence. Yeah. It's like all humans. And I was like, that doesn't make but, any sense. <laughs> but all that aside, the quantum realm in this movie was really, really cool. I mean, it's very a bunch cool. of green screenshots and stuff, but it was just the art design and art direction on it was very neat. It was very cool. Um, it had like a very underwater type of vibe without being underwater, yeah, yeah. which is cool. It was very cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, the villains in this movie were very fun. Yep. Um, I mentioned how it was fun seeing Paul Rudd kind of play a more intense role. And we actually get Bill Murray. And this is a bit spoilery, but I'm not really doing a spoiler warning on this episode. Just if you don't want spoilers. They're about to start happening. Uh, you know, maybe go see the movie before you listen to this episode. But um, <laughs> Bill Murray playing kind of a he's got a very short part in this, but it's he plays a little bit of a more menacing character like he has some menacing moments which i thought was really cool yeah you know it I mean? was like, really neat he's usually such a like goofy kind of guy and that, but he's like, so ominous peter venkman kind of thing but he plays a really intense like he has a really intense shift at one point which is nice and then of course let's talk modok oh my god it was i i i missed when they basically told us he was coming yeah um I saw a brief glimpse of him in a trailer and I was like, was that, was that Modoc? And then, mm -hmm. but there wasn't enough to be like confirmed. Yeah. Like, and I kind of wondered if it was going to be like a, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but then they like actually talk about Modoc at one point. I completely missed it. And then he appears and I was like, oh my God, yep. they're doubling down on this. Yep. They're really making Modoc. We... <laughs> I won't spoil who the details about Modoc. Um, but they did a really cool job making it make sense. I was a bit kind of frustrated, admittedly, when Modoc, when the, we first saw Modoc in the trailers, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe this is going to like open. He's like the, the opening villain. Like, right. you know, how these superhero movies, like think it back to, I want to say it was Civil War. It might've been Winter Soldier, but like the movie opens with Cap infiltrating the boat and fighting the Leaper. Right. 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 And like. You know, that's I, I was like, maybe that's what it's going to be. It's going to be like the the opening bad guy. Right. We get introduced to AIM and then MODOK's there and it's Ant-Man because he's all tech based and like tech organization based. So right, maybe right, right. it's like Ant-Man's fighting MODOK in the very, very beginning of the movie. And then the quantum shit happens. No, MODOK is in the quantum realm. 
they did a good job making that make sense. I was a yeah. little worried that it would be like Modoc's just some throwaway thing that's never gonna come back and never gonna be anything important. You were afraid he was gonna be Taskmaster. Yes, exactly, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Now the question on everyone's lips, minds, fingertips is: Does Modoc look good? No, good. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he shouldn't. He looks weird. It's uncomfortable to look at. It hurts your eyes. You feel your a brain's black, a little icky. A black pit in your heart begin to form whenever <laughs> you see him on screen. But damn it, if that isn't if they made him look good, I'd be pissed. Yeah. If I was like, it this, makes so much more sense this way. This looks normal next to everything else around it. I would be po'd. Yeah. Him looking funky and strange, and then really doubling down on it. Like, they, yeah, they go hard. They really double down on it. And there's jokes about his baby hands, which and stuff like that. And if you ever read the comics, that's all over. No one in the comics think Modoc looks normal. No, you he's not I mean? taken like, seriously ever. People interacting with him in the comics are like, "Why do you look that way? <laughs> it's gross and weird." And we hate it. And <laughs> you know they could have gone like recently in uh, the Marvel Avengers game, which sucks. Uh, <laughs> but the story part is actually really fun. And it's just too short, yeah. but Modoc is a part of that. And it was a cool kind of redesign of Modoc. Right. Um, like it was an interesting redesign and redirection direction of the yeah. character. Them doubling down on just making him Modoc in the movie was cool. It was good. I, I'm glad they didn't do like he's a, a quantum robot. No. You know, and stuff like that. Like he's actually not really a robot, but not really a person, and they have a reason for it and stuff. And, and it's, it's cool. gross. It's, it's gross. <laughs> and it's weird looking. And it's cool. Uh, but I, you know, the more I get online and see people dunking on how funky Modoc looks, the happier it makes me. Yeah, he's you supposed know? to look like that, guys. I, That's me, the point. Give me all the bad reviews for Modoc's appearance because mm, perfect. <laughs> Perfection. You know? Jonathan Majors was spectacular. Jonathan freaking Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Holy uh, shit. He's so good. I He does such a good job. I love hearing... I was reading about his like journey with Marvel. So he actually got called up by Marvel like right out of drama school. Huh. And he went to a meeting and they were running behind and they were busy. And he was like, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna go. Like, I'm... I don't, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I'm just going to leave thinking like, oh, they were like, oh, who's out there? Jonathan Majors. And he was just kind of new into acting and was like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to leave, like tell them thanks for the call. And then apparently the casting person whose name I don't know came in and like grabbed him and they've been talking to him since then for like years about wow. finding a place to put him. And I, he's so good for this role. It's insane. He's so incredibly good for the role. So, big spoiler, but we can't really talk about Jonathan Majors without talking about it. Jonathan Majors is playing... So, we've already seen him play uh, the one at the end of it all, or whatever, in Loki. The Loki one. And then he's <laughs> very clearly, unsurprisingly, unspoilery, playing the Conqueror yeah. Kang. Uh, which a lot of people know is the main Kang. That's the Kang that we experience the most, yeah. I think, in the comics. Yeah. Green and purple suit, blue face, like, likes to shoot lasers and disintegrate people. Haunting Doctor Doom, all of that. Yep, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, 
But as you dig into the deep lore of Marvel, you know, and for readers for a long time, know that there are a lot of different versions of Kang. And Kang, oh, yeah. much like a lot of other multiverse and time jumping heroes, likes to interact with those. It's like the Council of Reeds, and there's the Council of Red, which is the Mephisto Council, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, anybody who's ever touched the multiverse or timelines or anything knows their alternates and regularly visits them and checks in and is like, how's your mom and them and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Kang does that, which means Jonathan Majors gets to play a bunch of different versions of, of Kang the Conqueror. Of Kang. And Kang's different points in time. There's a lot of Kang. And Kangs. he's such a good person for that. He can he's do... so dynamic. A lot. He's a very, very good actor. And I'm really excited to see Jonathan Majors take on this role. And, you know, it appears that the dynasty we get... There are two stingers. And one stinger is that sets up the Kang dynasty, which we already know is coming. Um, and there was a lot of talk about whether it would be a dynasty of Kangs or a dynasty established by Kang the Conqueror. You know, that's been the big discussion on uh, the internet about like predicting what that movie is going to be about. looks like it's the former. There's a lot of Kangs. There's a lot of Kangs guys. Um, there's a whole bunch of Kangs. <laughs> apparently their whole motivation is that we're the, the main MCU and probably other MCUs. Um, are touching the multiverse too much and they don't like it. So they're going to shut that shit down. Um, and this gives Jonathan Majors the ability to pop up as Kang in a lot of different IPs in a lot of different of the movies. And, you know, it's very real that we might see Kang pulling the strings on certain bad guys yeah. and stuff like in different movies that come up in the Marvel's, you know, they're off doing fighting some cosmic bad guy and it might get revealed that like, oh, one of the Kangs was doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as for the Conqueror, as far as we know, at the end of this movie, he's not he didn't make it, but we don't see him not make it. We just see him not exist, make it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's Marvelized. Yeah, you'll you'll see. Go yeah. see the movie. He doesn't make it out of the quantum realm. He unfortunately makes it into somewhere else. Uh, but we don't know what that means for the future. So who's to tell? But Jonathan yeah. Majors as Kang the Conqueror, really intense. He switches from like calm, collected, intense, badass character to like causing a shitload of destruction really fast. Jonathan Majors is a great like fighting actor like he handled the like fighting bits really really well yeah. it made me nervous for ant-man because holy shit that dude was tearing him up he's so um, ripped yeah i i blame creed yeah he's, <laughs> he's so big and scary right now <laughs> absolutely jacked you call that man mozzarella because he shredded you know what i mean but yeah it's uh it's so good. He was a great, he was a great villain. Great bad guy. Uh, I think it's cool because they're kind of letting him, you know, Thanos, they let be a big bad, but they kind of made him driven by a feeling of altruism. And I think yeah. I've had this discussion before. It may have been when we talked about Endgame. It may have been later in a different episode. I can't point you in the right direction. Go check that Endgame episode. Might be there. When you really look at it, the second Thanos we get is more like comic book Thanos. 
Right. It's more, I'm doing this because why not? I have my plans. My plans will be done. Right. You know, he's just kind of evil and wants to kill things. Yeah. And that's Thanos. That's what Thanos' whole deal is. You know, in the comics, he's courting death. You know, (laughs) so it's not so much that there's this sense of altruism. He doesn't do the snap because he believes it will save the universe. He does the snap because killing that many people will impress death. Sounds fun. And, you know, in Infinity War, that was the Thanos that we have. And then we that Thanos gets his head chopped off. And then time travel Thanos comes in and is kind of just more akin to normal Thanos. Yeah. Comic book Thanos. Right. As for Kang... At least the Conqueror side of him seems like they let him, or doesn't seem like I saw the movie. <laughs> uh, they let him be really just Kang. He's just a monster. He just wants to conquer. Yep. He is the one that should control these things, and so he's going to. Yep. And that's it. Yep. 100%. And that gives us hope for future villains that they're kind of just letting them be comic book villains. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we'll. Maybe we'll finally get a Doctor Doom who is just a, like, faceless demagogue who likes ruling things. (laughs) And isn't, like, a failed plastic surgeon who's going crazy. He's just a dictator. I know in the original Fantastic Four movies, Victor wasn't a plastic surgeon, but he's the guy from Nip Tuck. What do you want from me? It's true. Um... But, you know, twice they've done Doctor Doom, twice they've done him as like, I'm losing my mind because I'm transforming into metal. And it's like, why? Just let him Make him a dude in a suit who likes magic, misses his mommy, and likes living in a castle and ruling people. That's all. That's evil enough. We can can accept that as evil. You don't have to make him turning into the freaking Tin Man and shooting lightning out of his wiener in order for us to accept him as evil. He's a Russian oligarch, but with magic and a time machine. Yeah. Like, just let it happen. Yeah, do it. One thing I do want to make a shout out, because it wouldn't be an Ant-Man movie if it didn't have a stellar supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, we're introduced to a whole bunch of new people. Oh, we yeah. don't have the van scene <laughs> that we are so True. accustomed to. So instead, they gave us some new characters. Um, William Jackson Harper shows up, who is, you may know him better as Cheaty from The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Playing an excellent role that's hilarious and brings a lot of yeah. levity. Uh, we have David Desmaltian does a voice that is chef's kiss yeah. and probably my Great favorite character. character in the whole movie. Great opportunity for merch. And then, heckin' shout out to Katie M. O'Brien bringing in a warrior woman oh, yeah. who is so badass. It gave me like... I know I'm never going to get Angela in a movie because Thor has been ruined. I'm not ashamed. Um, we're never going to get Angela because Marvel hates me and does whatever it can to make me sad. And so seeing Katie do Gentora and just annihilate people without any, you know, conscience, whatever, just uh, I'm going to do what needs to be done. I was like, this is this is my instance. This is my single solitary moment and the glimpse of what could have been if they had ever (laughs) given me the character I've so rightfully earned. And it was awesome. She's just a total badass. And it's cute because uh, Cassie rolls around with her for a while. And even Cassie's like, God, you're so cool. (laughs) And I'm like, Cassie, you are all of us right now. (laughs) It was a great cast, you know, and, you know, 
once again, uh, Michael Douglas mm-hmm. did an incredible job as Hank. I love his Hank. It's so nice to have a Hank so you can love. <laughs> he has a really cool moment later on, like toward the toward the final battle of the movie, which is really fun. Really cool. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer did a really good job. Oh, like, tore I love her so much. Uh, it was cool. It was a good movie. It was a good and movie. it was just fun. It was really fun. I had a lot of moments where I was just like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just really into the action. The action moments were good. They were good. They were fun to watch. It is a little dizzying, I will say. There's a lot going on. Doing the quantum stuff, there's a lot of moments where I was like, whoa, we're yeah. moving too much. Um, But it was, it was cool. It was a fun movie. We did not get... I, this is my headcanon, and I'm going to share with you guys so you can also have it. We did not get any of Cassie's mom, which I'm hoping was because she was off filming the TV show Reboot, which sadly has already been canceled, um, which is a mega bummer because I heard great things about that show. Yeah. Um, And I'm hoping that it was just like a, a scheduling conflict and it wasn't pushing her out because she's a great actress and I think she's always added quite a bit to the Ant-Man universe. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of time where she could have been involved. I can think of a scene in the beginning where she probably could have been appropriate, mm-hmm. but fingers crossed that it wasn't a push out and then it was just an unfortunate scheduling yeah. situation. And I'd like to get more, you know, Michael Pena and T.I. too. Exactly. You know. Exactly. But, I, I miss the old cast, but I, I liked everybody new. Yeah, it was cool that we had a good cast, uh, but it was fun. It was a fun movie. Was it perfect? No. You know, would I give it an A plus? No, not really. Probably solid B. But it was one of the more fun ones that I've had recently, so. And it, you know, I feel like this is one of the movies, too, that I didn't go in with super high expectations because of what was being promised to me. Mm. And so I didn't leave feeling super disappointed when expectations weren't met. Like, yeah. we, they were hinting so heavily during Doctor Strange that it was going to yeah. be a game-changing scenario for the MCU. And it wasn't. And then Thor, well, Love, and Thunder. Yeah. Oh, you're going to get Jane Foster and all this stuff. And then you go in and it's like, schmeh. I think that's the reason, right? Like, that's the reason this one felt a lot nicer. Is it, A, didn't feel super self-contained. Because right. it was establishing Kang and, you know, it was referential of stuff that Scott had done in Endgame and etc. Yep. And it was setting up this idea of the timelines and the multiverse. Brought in and Cassie. they used the word incursions, so write that one down. Um... <laughs> You know, and it also didn't, at the same time, do a lot of that, like, fan service cameo crap that they've been doing. Yeah. You know, Thor Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness were both really bad about being like, haha, you guys wanted this. (laughs) Here you go. And it means nothing. And now it's over. And it just feeling so (laughs) empty. There wasn't cheesecake. You know, you weren't left feeling... Like, you just took in all these empty calories. You, yeah. You, it was, everything was kind of to a point. There was intent. To a purpose. But it also wasn't weighed down by what it was trying to do. And I think that's, I think that's the real thing. And it's almost, you know, maybe the silver lining is that Multiverse and Madness and Thor Love and Thunder kind of leaving a bitter taste in a lot of fans' mouths lets us kind of go into these movies more in a vacuum, bringing yeah. less expectations. To, not, not buying what Marvel's selling. 
and then letting the movie kind of exist prove itself the, to us yeah the movie sell itself to us yeah as opposed to being true. sold on it and then not receiving what we were promised that's a very good or point. what we feel like we were promised and at the same time maybe the negative response to that kind of stuff has made Marvel kind of backpedal and dial back on that. color the future releases. Try to make things actually important as opposed to, you know. Because, I mean, even when you look at they did kind of the same thing with Daredevil in the She-Hulk show where they were like, they sold that entire show on Daredevil being in it. Mm -hmm. First trailer number one. (laughs) And that blind mf -er was not in it until, like, the seventh episode. (laughs) And... But then he was actually in it. Yes. He was actually there. He came back. They have a relationship. He was an important part of it. It wasn't just like, hey guys, Daredevil. <laughs> and then gone. And he's getting his own show. Which you know? felt like they had learned from WandaVision when they kind of hinted a whole bunch of promises and then delivered on none of them by the end. And people were mad mm-hmm. about it, including us. Um, so... Maybe, maybe slowly but surely they're starting to navigate and realize and recognize the response and see how that should color mm-hmm. their marketing behavior moving forward. Yeah. So who knows? Just stop well, lying, Marvel, and we'll be fine. <laughs> I did admittedly go into this one with a lot less expectations. I Same. went into it just generally excited to see the movie. Just ready for a movie. Um, And excited to see Jonathan Majors perform as Kang and stuff like that. And it was a lot better. And it was a lot better. <laughs> it was just a better experience. So maybe it's not so much that the movie's qualities have changed. It's just our qualities as fans have. I don't know. But I felt like this one was a step in the right direction. It was a for, much better step. Yeah. For uh, the Marvel movies recently. So anyway, that's going to do it for us. I don't know what the next movie on the docket is. But we'll do it. For in... real extra or for Marvel? For For real extra. There's something next month, and I'm trying to remember what it is. I think next month was Flash, though, which we're not. No, doing. that's in May. Oh, is that in May? Yeah, I think. Oh, Shazam. Is it Shazam? It might be Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Let's see. That one releases in March. Yeah. Okay. It releases on our anniversary. So, Shazam coming up. Um, Shazam: Furry of the Goods. Uh, <laughs> which looks excellent. Looks I really finally good. saw a trailer for yeah, it, and. Looks cool. It's like very contained and I'm very excited about that. So keep an eye out for that one. That's going to do it for us today though. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the late release of the episode. We had to uh, find time to see the movie. Uh, Just a heads up. Our audio might be kind of wonky over the next few weeks. We're moving. So we're kind of tearing down setup as we go. Uh, There might be a period where we just take it to us talking on discord entirely. So it might get (laughs) kind of weird there for a bit, but we'll make it work. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good weekend. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find them on our website, CoverBpodcast.com. That's right. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Cover B Podcast. Thanks again, guys. We love you. We love having you here. We love talking to you about movies. Uh, as always, I have been Chris. This has been T. It's true. And you have been real extra-ing with, with Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. Bye.